Hi guys, welcome back. What up, what up, what up, what up? What up? <laughs> um, I'm really excited about this episode yeah. because in light of recent fucked up events, i.e. Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, you may remember a past guest that we had, cycle sinking nutritionist Nicole Bendayan. Um, she shed a lot of light on just like women's menstrual health and how to basically take control of that yourself and not rely on doctors who may mislead you or may not know or may be steering you towards other things that you don't want to do. Um, but since the last episode with her, especially, I've no, I mean, Alyssa and I both follow her on Instagram and hopefully some of you guys do too, but she is like taking and said, off. And uh, signed her. up for her newsletter, which is so great. Yes, same, her newsletter and she has workshops she's doing, um, but she's just going in with her she's so informative her pages are incredible to follow she's very consistent there's a lot of knowledge all the time every day um and she is back on with us to help us kind of you know gain a little more peace of mind in that taking control of what we have the power to take control of for our own bodies so yeah without further ado (laughs) nicole welcome nicole thank you so much for coming back Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. We've been wanting to have you back, and then, it, yeah. like, obviously everything went down the way it did, and we were like, <laughs> now is the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now and we were telling time. Nicole, like, right before we got on, like, we are such fans of her. So, like, please, again, we can't stress this enough. Please follow her on Instagram and Nicole.Bendion and um, sign up for her newsletter. You gotta, uh, you gotta keep up because it's, it's really, really helpful information. It um, is, and like your the little slides that you provide for um, which foods are you know combat inflammation and which which foods, and it's like the little graphics and the, I mean that stuff is so helpful because not everybody's gonna just like Google search and then read through three paragraphs to figure out what might be. It's like this, I don't know. Your Instagram is really comprehensive and easy to follow and consistent like you're always putting out new stuff and i i love it i'm learning a lot (laughs) thank you i'm really glad that it's well received yeah absolutely um so obviously with the recent reversal of roe v wade um we it's just a lack of control everywhere we look and so (laughs) and that's obviously what you specialize in um just gaining optimizing our lives through holistic menstrual health and gaining agency over our own bodies like that things that we're not taught in school and definitely not in school because I actually thought until well into my 20s that I could get pregnant most of the time like Mm -hmm. at any point almost like not on my period or but we're just not taught these things and so um like there's uh, so I wanted to ask you because there's been a lot of talk about fertility tracking apps ever since Roe v Wade was overturned um fear of them selling our data uh, you know it's not safe to track on there any longer and all of these things um and it's endangering our autonomy even further what are your thoughts on this and or advice or if you think this is I just want to hear your thoughts on that yeah I mean first of all it's terrifying yeah you know it's, it's just so disheartening that you know especially being in this space we think that we're taking steps forward by you know making menstrual health and menstrual education um, more available and like I eventually want to work with curriculums in schools because I think it's so important that women know this and to have Roe v Wade overturned is so many steps back 
that is just like is really unfathomable to me that you know we should be progressing in this way and there's just so many steps back and we're, we're getting hit with these walls and it is scary especially with the the apps i know a few apps that have been known to sell data to third parties have come out being like oh we now have an anonymous mode you know and that's still yeah. subpar you know that's that's putting the onus on us when the onus really should be on the companies um and there are definitely some that don't sell your data and have it, you know, explicitly written that they're not going to sell your data. But it is still really scary because, mm -hmm. you know, we I don't think anyone ever expected Roe v. Wade to be overturned. And now that it has, it's like, OK, but what are laws going to be like in the future? Yeah. What protections are we going to have? What autonomy are we going to have? So truthfully, I think that the best way to do it at this point in time is just to go back to pen and paper. Yeah. And, you know, have fertility tracking charts and chart your stuff on paper. Not only is that amazing because you get to keep the records and you have all this data and you have all this information, but I think that that is also a lot more personal and connects you to yourself a little bit more, mm. you know, um, which I think is an upside to it. But yeah. it is really scary because we don't necessarily like we want to be able to use the apps we want to be able to have it in our hands and be able to look at it whenever we want yeah. and not have to worry about carrying things around because we know we always have our phones with us mm -hmm. but you know it is about protecting our sovereignty and i think first off that that goes to say we we need to be educated on these things and we need to start empowering women to know about them and i guess that's why i'm so grateful for the internet because mm -hmm. you know i'm in canada but i can help people in the states understand their fertility more and understand their menstrual health more so that you know they can protect themselves mm -hmm. a little bit better and have that bodily autonomy yeah, yeah. I, I know i had flow before and then i got rid of it mm -hmm. and then i went to stardust do you, are, are you familiar with Stardust at all? No, I'm not actually. It's like they're they're all women owned, and then but there's a, articles that are like, no, the encryption. It's like some encryption mode that I'm not uh, super educated on, but apparently it's just I I don't know. It, it should stop. So if they're subpoenaed, they can't really give any of the data uh, away. But I don't know. It's like they're also saying that that's not even safe. So yeah, is there like um. I don't know, an easy way that you think one can start if they're starting with the pen and paper method with 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 um, tracking their cycle? Like, is there like, a, I don't know. An yeah, easy... totally. It depends how, how deep you want to go. Um, so I've recently designed a fertility awareness method workshop, and that tells you how to track your fertility symptoms and your biomarkers so that you can identify when you're fertile because we're really only fertile about six days of the month mm -hmm. so if we're tracking all of those different things then there is just like a one-page chart that enables you to chart your temperature chart your cervical mucus your cervical position any other secondary symptoms that go along with it and you know the chart's already there it has space for notes and it's perfect because you know you can print out a bunch of those sheets and you have one a month and mm -hmm. it works you know um and then if you don't if you're not into fertility tracking, which I definitely recommend everybody do because 
that gives you so much more data that just like a calendar method wouldn't really give you because it doesn't take into consideration um, if you've actually ovulated when you're ovulating, mm. et cetera, which can all be affected by lifestyle and health and, and everything else. Oh. So I would definitely say first and foremost, start understanding your fertility through the symptothermal method. Um, and mm. then with that, you have all this data, you have security. It's with perfect use is over 99% effective. Um, but typical use is between um, 80 to 97% or 99% effective, depending on how strictly you're, you're tracking your symptoms and everything else. And that's to prevent pregnancy or to avoid pregnancy. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you that, like what, what the symptothermal method is. Cause I hadn't heard of that until your page. And I know that's because the question was how it differs from other fertility methods, but that's, um, I mean, our other fertility awareness methods, but that's kind of what you're going over. So you, ha it takes a level of, you definitely need to be dedicated and consistent on it, obviously, just like mm -hmm. all the methods, but you recommend it over others because I saw somewhere on your page, it tracks different, it tracks a higher number of biometric markers. Yes. Right. So totally. Um, so there's other fertility awareness methods. So there's the calendar method that just goes based off of your previous cycles and kind of predicts when you're going to ovulate. Mm. Um, but that's obviously not that effective because ovulation can be um, affected by sleep, stress, food, diet, so many other things. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, the Billings method, the cervical mucus method, that you're just tracking your cervical mucus um, because your cervical mucus changes throughout your cycle and changes when you're um, ovulating and when you're fertile. Mm -hmm. And then with the symptothermal method, it tracks your cervical mucus, but then also tracks your basal body temperature to confirm that you've ovulated as well as your cervical position because that also changes oh. when you're fertile. Oh, interesting. So how yeah. do you how do you track those things yeah yeah so each thing is going to be tracked a little bit differently obviously so your cervical mucus you're going to track by visually seeing it um okay. a lot of just on the toilet paper mm -hmm. you can see it um you can touch it you can mm -hmm. you know put it between um between the tissue paper, the toilet mm -hmm. paper, um, cervical mucus that's fertile is really moist. And when it's very fertile, it's stretchy. So it can stretch between one mm -hmm. and 10 inches. Um, so you're tracking your cervical mucus by kind of feeling the sensation uh, as well as visually and to touch it. And then your temperature, it's important to track your basal body temperature, which is the lowest temperature throughout the day. And that's going to be right when you wake up in the morning. Mm. So if you're using a digital thermometer, it needs to be um, two decimal points. If you're doing Celsius, one decimal point, if you're doing Fahrenheit mm -hmm. and you're taking it at the same time every morning, as soon as you wake up, before you get out of bed, before you do anything. Oh. Or what's really great is now there is basal body temperatures that are wearable and that will automatically track your lowest temperature of the day. Oh. Yeah, so something like temp drop um, is a great, it's an armband monitor and you just wear it at night and it automatically will track your temperature. Oh, hmm. that's yeah. all. Yeah, because if you have a like a, more of an erratic sleep schedule or you sleep in a little bit sometimes, whatever it is, you need to be able to be really consistent with the time that you're using. So having an armband monitor like that is really helpful with 
maintaining the consistency and being responsible with it. And you only put that on when you're going to sleep. So if your mm-hmm. sleep schedule is erratic and like you go to bed at 3 a.m. one time, but then like 930 one time, it doesn't matter. You just put it on when you go to bed. Yeah. So the temperature that you're going to be taking is right, right, right in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be your lowest temperature of the day. And um, I think it's 0.09 degrees um, Celsius more each hour. There was a study that, uh. that was done. Uh, I think it's 0.09 or 0.9 um, each hour after you uh, that you delay taking the temperature. Mm-hmm. So you really do want to make sure that you're being consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And something like other things can affect it. If you are using a heating pad or a heating blanket that you don't normally use, mm-hmm. if you drank alcohol the night before, stuff like that. But if you really truly understand the method and you are educated on it and work with a fertility awareness method educator, um, you'll be able to understand, you know, why there might be a variance, mm-hmm. you know? Wow, and so it's the, those two biomarkers are the cervical mucus, the basal body temperature, and there was another or no? Cervical position. Oh, yeah. It's considered optional to track this, but I super recommend tracking it. Um, pretty much what happens when we are not fertile, our cervix is lower and it's firmer. So it feels like the tip of your nose and it's really oh. closed. But when we're fertile... Our cervix actually rises, is a lot softer, like pursed lips, Uh and is a little bit more open. So if you manually feel it by inserting Mm -hmm. a finger, very clean, make sure that these are clean hands, um, but you can actually feel your cervix. And Mm -hmm. that can indicate that you are fertile. And then also post uh, ovulation, your cervix will then go lower, closed and more firm. So that is another Uh. way to confirm that you have ovulated. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. I I did not know any of that. There's, so <laughs> did I. I was like, my gynecologist knows a lot about me. There's a thermometer that I was looking at getting like, yeah. I like two years ago. And what was it called? Like day daily or Daisy mm-hmm. or something. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't know if that was it, but it was specifically for getting your basal body temperature in the morning. But what you're describing sounds a lot more reliable because of those other factors, especially when you have, when you don't have a like hardcore strict morning routine and Mm -hmm. you're not get, you know, cause that's what would make me nervous. Just like, Oh, I slept in today or Oh, last night. Or I got, I don't know, just all the different factors. that You you can get into your head. Yeah. About human error. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think also like, because the symptothermal method and any fertility awareness method is very much so reliant on you being consistent with it and you making sure that you're tracking your symptoms properly, mm-hmm. this kind of can troubleshoot a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's going to be error everywhere or may or may not. But if you have just one extra tool that can make it a little bit easier and mm-hmm. make you feel a lot more confident and you know being more consistent i think yeah. is perfect yeah because i was going to yeah. ask also people uh there's the looming fear of like uh women losing access to birth control mm-hmm. anyway if they're on it but for those who fear that natural tracking methods like this are less effective than synthetic hormones which 
I understand like if you're like you're saying if you're consistent it's not but how do you what what would you say to those women who are just a little hesitant to do it because they're afraid of the human error factor I I would say first of all that if you look at the statistics of effectiveness within a year um, and the efficacy rate and the failure rate um, they're pretty close Mm. you know what I mean and and it's it's the it's a sacrifice that you're making when you take hormonal birth control that I just can't necessarily get behind for most people like first of all I'm going to say on my page and, and whatever it is I do talk a lot about ditching birth control and trying to steer away from hormonal birth control and by no means is that saying that I think that birth control should not be accessible of course, to whoever yeah. needs it mm-hmm. and what I truly believe is that it's all about informed consent and I don't think that we're given informed consent when it comes to our birth control because we don't have first of all because we're not actually told about the the symptoms that can come about the cancer rates the Mm -hmm. all of the issues that come with hormonal birth control but then we're also not taught about other options that are viable and effective and I think that that just needs to be said like it needs yeah, I yeah. mean, our education here in the States, I'm sure you know, it's just abysmal when it comes to anything that is that involves female re- reproductive uh, rights, our system, you know what I mean? Like, there's been so much talk about, you know, with after overturning Roe, about how an ectopic pregnancy works, and these men arguing, oh like, what that is. It's like, oh, no, it's still viable. And ect- no, it, it's so horrifying how little our leaders know yeah. because obviously they're mostly white men that don't give a shit so it obviously it's going to trickle down to our education system and we are consist consistently left in the dark about what's best for us and it's just so sad like there's so much data um mm-hmm. that we just don't know and this is completely yeah. not completely off topic it's like i just learned that airbags <laughs> are actually yeah. tested for tall men and yeah. a certain size and <laughs> i had no idea that i was like we're yeah fu- like we're so car fu- safety ratings like yeah. test dummies and all that it's it's done for men <laughs> yeah another crazy thing is that because a lot of medical tests and everything else is is done on men um women have a higher rate of dying from a heart attack because our symptoms ex- express a little bit differently so there's people out there who are teaching women how to fake the symptoms that a man would have having a heart attack so that they'll actually be listened to. No way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Messed up. Have oh. a heart attack and then have the wherewithal to be like, okay, now I have to like, <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. For survival. This is I'm so sad. <laughs> like, I, I don't even, I don't even, I mean, just the fact that we were, we're not, we're not taught anything, but the whole structure of society, ours and, and U.S. and Canada and a lot of, con- like, a lot of Western societies, you know, it's like you, there's 
morning meetings at work you get up early you do this and it's like after work drinks around 5 p.m mm. and it's happy hour and then dinner um but it's set up for a man's hormonal cycle which is a 24-hour cycle which we are not taught men even have let alone oh it's all like structured for like they're best suited for to socialize around five and in the mornings they're the most suited for so women and men both have a circadian rhythm, which is uh-huh. what a lot of it is, is based off of. You have higher levels of cortisol in the morning, which is your stress hormone. And then those begin to dwindle throughout the day to make way for melatonin so that you can actually sleep. Mm-hmm. So we both have those, those um, hormonal cycles, but with the testosterone, it does dip a little bit during the day, but it really stays pretty steady and it stays steady mm-hmm. consistently throughout the month. And, and that's where you're really finding this massive difference is that men can have a very steady, um, steady energy levels, steady, just consistency throughout the month, like the same workout every day yeah. and like all that. Yeah. And women just don't have that. We have a, you know, 26 to 36 day cycle that our bodies are so different at different points in time. Mm -hmm. Like our brain, our brain matter changes throughout our cycle. Like estrogen has an effect on the gray matter in your brain. And so when we're in our follicular phase or, you know, your ovulatory phase, you have more estrogen, which allows you to be more creative, more focused, more cognizant, all these things. And then as you know, our hormones dip, especially in our later, later luteal phase, which is the last phase in our cycle, um, we have more difficulty focusing. It's been shown that ADHD medication is not as effective on women in their later luteal phase because of what's going on in our brains and, and our bodies as well. Like women are more prone to injury in the first mm. half of their cycle. Wow. And it's, yeah. Wow. I, I noticed like even just like you're saying we're not the same throughout the month like the different my I can feel like I'm living in an entirely different body one week from the next and not because of oh I just ate a bunch of pasta that week like we're good that can do it too but like regardless of that it's like I could be doing nothing different and I suddenly feel like yeah bloated out of my mind I mean these are PMS symptoms that you help women mitigate because we it's not necessary as I've learned through you that we go through these but just the changes in our body where I'm like okay my entire closet fits different and I've done Mm -hmm. nothing different and I might have even had less to eat this last week but it's not my workouts like nothing none of those things add up you know and you're just like what's going on and I think that the for me before I started cycle syncing before I knew what that was I would be so affected by those things. I would get, I would feel so guilty if I, you know, reacted a way that I had tried really hard not to react Mm -hmm. um, in, in the previous phases or, you know, with my body image and I struggled with body image for a really, really long time. And when that was affected by your, my cycle, I, I felt so much lower in confidence Mm -hmm. I didn't trust myself as much I didn't trust my body I didn't feel at home in my body and I think when at least when we have the knowledge of it obviously a lot of these things are ingrained in us and will be triggered by certain things regardless but when we have the knowledge that we can kind of take a step back from this is my reality or this is my hormones yeah you know there's such an empowering feeling there to to 
be like, oh, it's just because my serotonin levels are really low right now because my hormones are low and, and, you know, I can, I can tell myself I just need another second. Mm -hmm. And you take the onus off of yourself in so many ways. And I think that women already have enough to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah. understatement of the year <laughs> no I think life is so easy for us um, yeah. we're just you know I, I remember thinking too like a heart attack on the heart attack thing like heart attacks are also like women don't really notice them too because period cramp pain is like mm. actually <laughs> far more painful than a typical heart or can be than a typical heart attack yeah um yeah but but the, the, the talking about the hormonal changes and and what all that comes with pms is really what attracted you to us uh attracted me us to you um, uh also attracted. It was vice yeah. versa. <laughs> <laughs> you just noticed us Bye. on our instagram that we had crazy pms and you're like uh-oh i gotta get these girls me to go yeah. <laughs> The um, SOS was calling me. The yeah. SOS is just like, they need help. They yeah. need help. Yeah, just red flags. Um, but um, I, I'd love for you to talk about uh, the, the main factors that can contribute to those big hormonal changes that happen and why PMS is so intense and PMDD is a thing, you know? Well, PMDD is a little bit different than PMS. Uh, there's a lot of studies and research that shows that PMDD is not as affected by your hormone levels as it is by the reaction that you're having to those hormones. Uh, So it's kind of like a discrepancy with how a quote unquote normal body would process these hormones versus someone with PMDD um, could have, you know, steady hormone or, you know, balanced quote unquote hormone levels, but still be impacted just because of how their body reacts to those hormones. So that's kind of like a separate thing, but there's a lot that you can do for PMDD. and, And we talk about it a lot because again, something that's not talked about but with pms symptoms a lot of them have to do with the balance between estrogen and progesterone in our luteal phase so our, our last phase of the cycle and that can be affected by a bunch of different things but especially now is a lot of our products that we use a lot of you know what we drink out of or eat out of have these endocrine disrupting chemicals that Mm. act like estrogen are really inflammatory and that can you know add to a lot of these issues and then not being able to process out estrogen properly from our body because these hormones do need to go through your your systems and you know it needs to go through your liver and be metabolized and then actually be eliminated through your bowels and when we don't have that system functioning well then they can be reabsorbed into the body and that can cause a lot of havoc Mm -hmm. um but then you know you can go so there is five different types of pms which i believe we talked about on yeah. the last yeah, episode yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. go check that yeah, one out go check that one out please <laughs> you're gonna want to listen when you say like things that you eat out of and drink out of are you talking about like our bowls and our plates and plastic oh mm-hmm. shit plastic yeah bpa <laughs> free uh bpa free I, I is a little bit it's a little bit better some companies will just use another chemical yeah. that they haven't really called <laughs> but onto yet but then also to be you know more specific with it because a lot of people might not have access it's a lot more expensive mm-hmm. to have glass and, and stuff like that um 
the really main things that you have to look out for is never heat anything in plastic. Mm. So don't put hot food into a Tupperware, take it to work and you know, you're mm. eating out yeah. of that. Don't microwave in plastic. Don't put hot drinks into plastic. If you can, um, you know, those to go cups, they're lined with plastic and after about 15 minutes start to deteriorate um, and particles will get into like the coffee, coffee to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it'd be really helpful if you have like a stainless steel thermos or mug that you can pour it into. Mm -hmm. um, that's just another way to kind of mitigate that. Wow. Um, so wow. And, and with acid as well. So anything really acidic, you don't want to have in, in plastic. Uh, yeah. Somebody, uh, because I've, you know, the Starbucks cups or any coffee shop cups, um, I have microwaved many times before. Like I'll be have, mm -hmm. I'm at work and I'm just like, oh, there's something now it's getting cold and I microwave it. I take the lid off and microwave mm -hmm. it because I'm like, it's a cardboard cup. Obviously, there's a line. Someone, one of my friends recently was like, Molly, don't put those in the microwave. And I was like, mm -hmm. why is it going to explode? And he's like, no, it's no, <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's plastic in the thing and it's melting and it's t and I was just like, yeah, every coffee shop uses these cups yeah. everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's disturbing. Uh, that's cool. yeah. Fragrances <laughs> yeah. too. A lot of hair products, a lot mm, of skin mm. products. A lot of us don't recognize that our skin is an organ, and we can absorb things through our skin. So if we're lathering yes. ourselves in things that contain endocrine disrupting chemicals or things that have been proven to be carcinogenic, um, especially for women who are you know wearing all the makeup using all the skin products like relaxing their hair hair relaxers are massive with it mm -hmm. um fragrances stuff like that can be yeah. really detrimental to your health and soaps i imagine too like any kind of soap that you use for your body i imagine mm -hmm. those are probably huge culprits are there uh, the oh yeah go ahead go for it i was gonna say i was like are there soaps that you prefer to use like body soaps yeah, so I I prefer things that are um, that are that don't contain fragrances, synthetic fragrances, mm -hmm. especially. Uh, so if you have something, you find something that has essential oils in it, that you know is a little bit more beneficial. Okay. Um, with soaps, there is boroth um, sulfate that can be carcinogenic, so that's more of the carcinogenic side. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to go as clean and natural as possible. If you go on to, I believe it is the Environmental Working Group, so ewg.org, they have a list and, or if you just search it online, because I don't know if it's exactly EWG that does this, mm. but there's, there's a website that you can plug in your product and it will give you the rating of mm. how toxic it is. Oh, wow. Mm. That's helpful. Yeah. And you can look through them to find ones that aren't as toxic. Mm -hmm. I, I okay, think that's I've, I've even seen on TikTok, like people use an app where you go mm -hmm. to the store and you can you can scan the barcode bar yeah. and it'll tell you how fucked up it is. <laughs> it's like I've seen so many messed oh. up TikTok, like where people it's like the entire aisle at CVS is just no, <laughs> you cannot use talk. It it's yeah. sometimes toxic. i walk through those aisles and i'm just like i can smell the toxicity yeah, off of this. <laughs> honestly it's like um yeah. i wanted to ask you so i saw one of your posts or like a video is on your instagram and you were like are you pooping wrong <laughs> it was like talking about all the but you you've gone into you have a lot of videos where and 
<laughs> well, that one was like talking about like body positioning and all that. Yeah. But but you've also gone into like signs that our body is constantly giving us that we can clue us into our menstrual health that we're mm-hmm. not even aware of. And I was wondering if there are some things that we can start to notice that our bodies are showing us all the time that we don't realize are indicators of menstrual health. Aside from, like you said, you know, if we're tracking the cervical uh, mucus or, but just like even noticing um, like how dark, I know there's different phases of like how dark your menstrual blood is or how Mm -hmm. the consistency or even just daily things that you might not think are related that you can, we can check on our bodies. Yeah, 100%. I think what's important to note here is that your body is like an orchestra. So we have all of these different systems in our body that would represent like each of the instrument. And mm-hmm. if one of those those instruments are off, the whole orchestra is going to sound pretty poor. Yeah. Um, so if you are struggling with your gut health and you have like a candida overgrowth, so like a yeast overgrowth or dysbiosis, which is an imbalance between healthy gut microbiome and opportunistic gut microbiome and, or bacteria. And that will impact your menstrual health because in order for estrogen to be processed out, the microbiome has a huge role in that. Mm -hmm. Also, if you, with absorbing nutrients and then with brain fog. And so all of your body is really connected So it's important to look at it from a holistic perspective and the same way, a lot of our symptoms we might not realize are associated. So if you have issues with acne and your skin is erupting, that is an internal issue. Mm. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, hey, like I'll throw on whatever creams and, and washes and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as you stop using them, your acne comes back or it's just really persistent. And that's showing you that something internal is happening, mm-hmm. right? So it's really important to address that. Um, with with brain fog, we're not pretty much we're not supposed to feel like shit. What? <laughs> we're, we're not. <laughs> what wait, the what? Hell? Uh, <laughs> <same> revelation. <laughs> we're not supposed to feel Whoa. like shit. <laughs> hmm. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. Like, I I take this pill um, that my dermatologist prescribed to me it's primarily supposed to be a pill for blood pressure but i don't know if you're i don't know if a a pill like this uh rings any bells for you but like yeah people use it for hormonal acne and if i'm not consistent with it because i'm just not a consistent person when it comes to supplements and pills it's just bad for me um i'll get like and it's always like here Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of like hormonal acne. So it's just like, it's so annoying that I feel so beholden to this pill mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I could, you know, very well just figure this out, you know, internally, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also say, because I think that it, it scares a lot of people because they're like, oh, I'm going to have to, you know, eat like this for the rest of my life and not enjoy a night out and whatever it is. When our bodies are healed, we are a lot more powerful. We're we're a lot stronger. We can, we can withhold a lot more, Mm -hmm. right? When COVID first hit, I went back to living with my family, which I hadn't done since I was 18. Mm -hmm. And to say that they don't eat the way that I eat, (laughs) 
is <laughs> an understatement. An understatement. And also, like, I love to cook, so I was cooking a lot. I fell into the bread craze, and <laughs> I started making all of this bread and oh, eating yeah. all of this bread and all Thanks, of this TikTok. sugar. And like, <laughs> I knew what I was doing to my body because you know, I've already had the education, right. but I was still doing it just because I was like, screw it. Um, yeah. And I ended up getting acne for the first time in my life. And yeah. it was, it tripped me out because I was like, okay, body, you were telling me from the brain fog and the not being able to sleep very well, but now it's visual and aesthetic yeah. and fine. I'll listen to you. <laughs> um, now I have yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I ended up doing a protocol and my acne went away within a month. Oh. And now I can eat bread and not have all of these reactions and you know yeah. i can i can eat a little bit more sugar and not have those reactions that previously you know if i had taken a week off and my acne kind of like went down a little bit as soon as i started consuming those foods again it would just yeah. shoot back up but now because i've healed my gut and i've gotten i've balanced my bacteria i've gotten rid of the candida now i can enjoy those foods without that big of an eruption if mm. there's any eruption, like I ate bread last night and I do not have acne, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's glowing. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. A dewy queen. Yes. Just That's... wait, it's just say sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Listen, we'll take what, it. I'll it's take what it. we use makeup to achieve anyway. Why don't we just sweat? <laughs> no, but that's like, that's really interesting because I did think, um, I, I know that you can heal all of these issues. Diet is incredibly important, but you are what you eat. And so it's like, it's going to affect all the aspects of your body. But I did actually think that like, okay, you know, you cut all these things out, whatever that may be for you. And then, or you eat a specific way. And then the second you break ranks though, you will see something pop up. And then it's just like that all the more reason to be so strict. I didn't really think that it could, I don't know what protocol you mm -hmm. used, but to like, I didn't know you could do that. Get your body to a point where you can have a little bit of this and it won't freak out, mm. you know? Yeah. It, it, of course, depends on how much damage is done. Right. But your body is super powerful and, and you can do these things. I think what the, the, the overwhelming issue with a lot of, quote unquote, diet or quick fixes or whatever it is, is that that is going to suppress your symptoms. You're just not allowing that issue to be triggered mm. rather than actually like dismantling the bomb um and yeah you definitely can um and it, it definitely it matters how you do it and you know i did a protocol because i had candida overgrowth given my symptoms i had this yeast overgrowth pretty much mm -hmm. and it it feeds off of sugar so i had to go through a starve kill and replenish protocol so i have to starve out the bacteria then i have to kill it using botanicals um and then you have to reintroduce healthy bacteria to make sure that you have all this great gut, gut flora mm -hmm. and you know i've i'm not gonna call her out by name because she probably punched me but uh, i have someone in my life who has been who's gluten-free now mm -hmm. and doesn't eat wheat because as soon as she does it impacts her skin yeah. and you know she got rid of this massive like pretty bad acne that she had for a couple of years 
And, but she hasn't gone through the whole process of making sure that she's repaired her gut. So now it's every time she eats, she has a little bit of a reaction when I going. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Go for it. Um, So going gluten-free is just like, so eliminating something from your diet doesn't mean you will eventually repair. It will repair just by not having that. Yeah. it, It depends. It depends, of course, on the individual, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, celiac disease is is celiac disease, and and that you're you're allergic, like you're not having gluten. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for a lot of issues that people have, or a lot of the reason why someone might end up going gluten free, is because of the way that your body is reacting to it. That is because of your gut health, and mm-hmm. and even a lot of other food sensitivities. Like I was was listening to a podcast with, uh, I forget what the doctor's name was, um, but it's a functional medicine doctor. And he was talking about how food sensitivity testing is also kind of fear mongering and a little bit benign because, Mm -hmm. you know, you go get a food sensitivity test that reads you out all of these things that you're sensitive toward but, and, and then you'll obviously try to avoid those as much as possible. But a lot of food sensitivities are because you do, you have poor gut health. Mm. You'll react less to things when your gut is really strong. And when you don't have, you know, leaky gut or you don't have dysbiosis, you're, you're going to react to things a lot differently. And a healthy body is really powerful and really healthy. Mm-hmm. So do you, so, oh, sorry, babe. I was going to say, no, like, no, do, you, do you have, um, opinions on because i was thinking too and i'm wondering if this is more of an american issue or north american issue because i've heard like breads um in europe are affect you way less like is that is there truth to that as Dude. well it's like a regional thing yes <laughs> dairy dairy, dairy yeah that with and dairy. meats in general yeah pretty much everything yeah um so a lot of my acne got so i I moved to LA after I, I started having a little bit of this acne and then I moved to LA and then it burst so much more. Like it was uh, wild. And then when it came back, it like settled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, look at all this American food. <laughs> yeah. But what was yeah. really intense is I lived in Vietnam for a year. Oh, wow. And yeah. And when I went over there, I was nervous that I was going to get sick. Cause that's what they always tell you. Mm-hmm. and I didn't get sick once I got sick once in Thailand got food poisoning but I like immediately was like my body was taking really well to this food I, I went back to Toronto and I was sick for like two weeks I had really upset stomach I had really wow. bad digestion all of these things and I was like is it because of all the pesticides that are sprayed and the manufacturing processes and all of these other things that it's a hundred percent true <laughs> yeah yeah, because I like it's when so I have depressing. too much, I love like I love cheese and I love having lattes and coffee with real milk. But if I have too much of it and I do, I still do it. But like when I do, I get breakouts around my chin. But then when I go to Europe and like when I've been in, I get full milk lattes, all the cheese in France, not a single breakout, not a single reaction. And I'm yeah. like, this is a something's happening <laughs> this is suspicious this yeah. is suspicious and is it the, would it be like hormonal thing when it, it a hormonal issue with dairy when it comes to you know an american or north american 
uh, a cow versus a European one. <laughs> or um, uh, so I think a lot of it is the, the manufacturing processes, like I was said, and when you talk about factory farming and et cetera, if, mm-hmm. if your cow is eating heavily sprayed feed, yeah. That is bioaccumulating in their system. That's going into their, you know, their bodies, just like our bodies are our orchestras of all of these different systems that are all impacting with each other. And, you know, if we talk about the meat, um, toxins will bioaccumulate in the fat cells of the cow. Mm-hmm. And when you cook those and eat them, you are then consuming more concentrated versions of these chemicals in a lot of capacity. Uh. So it does depend on on what they're fed, what they're sprayed with, how with the manufacturing process, how if they're adding anything to it or if, you know, there's just so many different things that that can be a factor of it. And a lot of people will find that using organic dairy, et cetera, is a lot more beneficial. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have the same reactions because a lot of it is is the reaction that we're having to all of these other things that are going on. But also, sixty percent of the population is lactose intolerant after infancy. Whoa. So 60%. more percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a few studies that that show sixty percent of of the population is lactose intolerant after infancy. So it's it's you know what are we doing yeah, yeah. what are we doing <laughs> we love I, it so much in conclusion what are we doing yeah. what are we doing <laughs> I, you have a number of workshops that are available currently available to help women with all of these issues and um i was wondering if you could break down what's currently available what you're doing now and how people can sign up we already pitched your newsletter at your intro but um how what are the things you offer currently and how can people get involved I appreciate it. I am now starting to offer all of my courses um, kind of evergreen so you can get it whenever you want, um, which makes it a lot more accessible for everybody. So I have a fertility awareness method workshop that teaches you how to practice symptothermal method to either avoid pregnancy or is really beneficial if you're trying to conceive. Also just great to understand your fertility biomarkers and have all that extra data. Mm -hmm. And then I also have my get synced program which is basics of nutrition and fitness and then goes in depth about how to cycle sync your nutrition fitness and lifestyle to the phases of your cycle and we also have more um, focused courses such as the ditch birth control strategy and that is how to effectively come off of birth control and realign your systems as well as one for pcos and for endometriosis and Mm -hmm. hopefully within the next few weeks all of those are going to be available at any time yeah. And we're also opening up our community, which our uh, our private membership community will have lunar schools every new moon and full moon. I love yeah. this. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah. Wait, so when is that starting? Um, we are probably going to open everything up around the same time. So it's all going to happen July, August. This summer is going to be okay. kind of just opening everything up, you know, making sure that everything's accessible to whoever needs it at whatever time they need it. Uh-huh. And just trying to make it as accessible to everyone, especially with everything that's going on now. It's so much more important to have this knowledge yeah. and, you know, not have to wait for it. So Yeah. And then how do people sign up for your newsletter? So you can go to my website, uh, either NicoleBendayan.com or the SyncSociety.com, and that will will take you there. 
Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I literally, yeah. I could go on and on and on. This is gonna have, we're gonna bug you again to come Please back. Please do. Please yeah, do. Okay. I love talking to you guys. <sighs> oh, wow. I can talk to her forever. I know. I, I, I want to, it's like, from now on, SOS is bi-weekly with Nicole Bentayan, <laughs> yes, where seriously. every other week we have an episode with Nicole. I yeah. There's so many things I want to dive into with her further and further, and I know we'll have her back. Um, yeah. 100%. I would love maybe like we were saying with her off off air that mm -hmm. maybe when we're like in the middle of a workshop or like a before and after when you and I do one of her workshops um, mm -hmm. something like that because she is exceptionally well informed very easy to talk to mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah she's like our our menstrual health godmother guru yeah 100 <laughs> percent yeah um, so for this episode, we are promoting National Network of Abortion Funds. The National Network of Abortion Funds builds power with members to remove financial and logistical barriers to abortion access by centering people who have abortions and organizing at the intersections of racial, economic, and reproductive justice. Um, this is from their website. They said, we envision a world where every reproductive decision, including abortion, takes place in thriving communities that are safe, peaceful, and affordable. We envision a world where all people have the power and resources to care for and affirm their bodies, identities, and health for themselves and their families in all areas of their lives. As we shift the conversation about abortion, it will become a real option, accessible without shame or judgment. So learn more and donate at abortionfunds.org. Yep, and um, shout out again to Nicole. Her Instagram is at Nicole.Bendayan. Um, we'll be tagging her in our Instagram posts, so be sure to follow mm -hmm. us at the SOS Pod on Instagram and subscribe to us on YouTube, SOS with Molly and Alyssa, and subscribe to us on, you know, everywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, all of that stuff. Rate and review us. It helps us reach more people. We're on patreon so patreon. please become a little patron member and um hook us up we'll hook you up right back yes uh, i'm molly cottrell i'm Alyssa rosano and here's to turning meltdowns into magic <laughs>